so let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. We love you. God, uh, it's your day. Uh, every day is your day. Uh, but God, this is a special day in which your people come together. Uh, Lord, as we have come together and as we're going to uh, be releasing the, the, the little ones out from here and the, and the big little ones are going to stay in here, uh, Lord, uh, let us be uh, children attentive to our Father. Uh, God, let us hear your words. Uh, Lord, just rain down um, your wisdom on us and let us um, just enact what it is that you say. Uh, Father, we thank you, and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Did I ask you all how you're doing? How, how, how are you all doing? Good? Just good? All right, great, because we got a lot to, to cover today, but I have one thing that I want to do today. Um, and when I say one thing that I, I, I want to do, I, I want to, we've been talking about um, uh, being fully persuaded uh, Dan's been teaching in, in Sunday school, and I'm talking about being fully persuaded, and, and uh, we've been uh, in uh, Romans in chapter 4, where it talks about Abraham was not weakened in his faith because he was fully persuaded that God was going to do what God said he was going to do. Uh, paraphrase there, yes, absolutely, but th- that's the, 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 the essential message that is being talked about there is that fully persuaded, um, and, and understand that we can have, or can be fully persuaded, just like Abraham was fully persuaded. So, uh, understanding that I'm just a man. Uh, that I, I have my mistakes too. Uh, there are things that I need to change, um, but the, the, to understand why God put me here, I, I want to uh, just share today um, one thing that I want to persuade you of. I, I, I'm, so right out of the gate, I, I'm, my intention today is to persuade you of one thing. Ready? God is committed to your relationship with him. One, one thing that I'm going to, wait a second, we're on like the seventh commandment. And okay, just hear me. We'll, we'll, we'll circle the wagons right back around to this. But as I, I was preparing for this, I, I think that this is, this is clearly what God wants me to communicate to you today, that he is committed to your relationship with him. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Write that down. Write that in the margin. Write that wherever it is that you need to write it to remember that. Exodus chapter 20. Verse 14, this is another short verse, uh, another short, um, really uh, very straightforward command that God gives. You shall not commit adultery. Boom, we just read a whole verse. Took us like 10, not even 10 seconds, three seconds. But what does that mean, you should not commit adultery? What I think we have to understand is we got to look at context here and understand um, what adultery is. We're going to talk about this in the Old Testament context here, the straight out of the box. What does this say? What does this mean for the audience here? And then we're going to jump to the New Testament, and we're going to see what Jesus says about this. And then we're going to do a backtrack, and we're going to circle back around to the Old Testament. And I want to share with you the real the context on a grander scheme of why God gave us this. And then we're going to jump back into the New Testament. So if you're like gauging, okay, I got to get out of here at a certain time. Well, understand we're going to go old, new, old, new, and we'll be done. We ready? All right, cool. So to commit adultery, what does that mean? Well, I I have, um, you know, this awesome tool called a a computer, and I I, I looked this up on my uh, Bible software, uh, which Geeks Anonymous have, um, and it says, to have sexual intercourse with other than a spouse, to have sexual intercourse with one other than a spouse. Okay, I, I think we understand that, right? 
It, it, it's clear that, that, that what it means to, to, to commit adultery is, is written out. It doesn't go into great detail about everything in, in Scripture. It says, do not do this. Uh, the, the interesting thing is um, that when the, the, the complete Levitical law was given, when the, the, uh, the Mosaic law and the, the, the sacrifice system w- was given, um, it, it is clear that what the uh, penalty for adultery is. Um, anybody want to guess what the penalty for adultery is? Death, right? It's, it, it's stoning. And not in the happy kind. It's death, right? Throw big, stinking rocks until they breathe no more. All right? Why is this so important? We're going to get into that in a little bit, but I want to give you a little bit of a taste here. The reason that this is so important, the reason why God says this, that the practice of uh, adultery is a violation of God's purpose for marriage. God holds the, uh, he, he, he holds marriage at a high level. He, he um, identifies it and identifies in it and through it and with it to his people. We'll explain a little bit in a minute. But understanding that marriage is not something like, the, like uh, society has taken and, and kind of run through the, 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 the mud. Marriage is, is a very high level priority in um, God's purpose and his plan. Now, please, if you're here and you're not married, or, or, or I'm not saying that you're insignificant. Remember, I started out, everybody has got purpose and plan, and God is going to use you. Just let, let, let's follow through here and understand why marriage is so designed by God and useful in his acting out of his plan. Uh, in, in the ancient world, the, the, these people that, that, that were, um, uh, would have been receiving this, uh, the, the, this message initially, um, this was known as the great sin. And, and why was it known as a great sin? Just like I, I just said, it's foundational um, for the creation order. God created in order. He didn't create in chaos. He said, this is the way it's going to be, and this is what happened. So understanding that, we understand that husbands and wives can hardly function fully as one flesh if there's no trust in this area. If there's no trust, and that's what adultery does, it breaks down trust, and a lot of other evils, evilness or a lot of other sins can come out of this. I wrote down here in my notes that sexual relations are the vital seal or I'm sorry, or the virtual seal, vital as well, virtual seal of a marriage covenant, and adultery betrays the emotional, psychological intimacy that specially connects adult men and women within marriage. Hear me when I say this. I'm reading what God says. I'm not beating anybody up. I I want us to understand that God says this for a reason. Why he says this is because it's important. Well, duh, Lee, I, I, I get it. Well, Jesus reiterates all of this. He, he, he takes what, what is given in the Mosaic Law, he takes what is given by Moses on top of Mount Sinai, saying, do not do this, and he um, expounds even deeper on it. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Look at that, we're a fourth of the way through already. This is for the first Old Testament part's knocked out. We're going to first New Testament part. Matthew chapter 5. We're going back to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. It 
You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Pause. Jesus does not take, and I think this is highly important, Jesus does not take that Old Testament law and say, no, we're going to throw that away, and this is what you really got to understand. No, he takes the Old Testament law and he actually intensifies this. He takes what it means to commit adultery, and when it was said in the Old Testament, it was referring to that physical act, the actions of the body, the actions of the individuals. That's what caused that committing of adultery. Jesus now takes it and says, it's not just the physicalness of it, it's the psychological part. It's the, I'm going to say, the spiritual part that's involved now. He takes us to the next level. And what I want us to see initially here is what we have to understand is the commandments. Now, remember, these commandments are not thrown on us to burden us, to weigh us down. These commandments are given to us so we can live a life that's free. Because the life in which God intended for us is a life that is freeing, not burdensome. He wants us to be freed from the bondage of slavery. He wants us to be free to live free and to live fully in him. So understand when we, when we see this, it, 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 we can kind of understand and, and, and put these pieces together to say, you know what? The commandments are aimed at thought and motive. Thought and motive, not merely just deed. The Old Testament, when it says don't commit adultery, that, that was really that, that, that deed, that, that physicalness was, was, was the, 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 the focus Jesus is intensifying this and saying, it's not just the, 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 the physical aspect of it, it's the thought and the motive behind it that are important as well. Because if I were to take a poll, most people would say, no, I've never, you know, I've never uh, committed adultery, I've never cheated on my wife, or I've never cheated on my husband, I would never do that. But then, if we were to take the, 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 and use the, the filter of what Jesus just said here, but have you ever looked at a woman with lust that's not your wife? Jesus says you committed adultery in your heart. This is why, and, and it's almost as if Jesus knew what he was talking about, and he was foreseeing into 2,000 years later when pornography is one of the, the greatest uh, problems of this uh, committing adultery. Because it's ever, oh, it's accepted by society. It's not accepted by God. So I don't know who needs to hear that. It's not accepted by God. We have to understand that God, he puts this, he gives us this direction so that we can live fully in him. That we don't have to have lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh and the lustful desires of life. It's what John says in 1 John. That doesn't need to be what controls us. What is to control us is God's spirit within inside of us. So when we're looking at that crap, and that's what it is, it's actually worse than that, but we're in church, I won't say that. But if you're looking at that stuff, that's what Jesus is talking about. And it's not just for the dudes. I mean, statistics say that women are just as, just as, as guilty, all right? So I, I don't want to, to keep on bringing this up, and, and, and yes, we got it, Lee, don't do this. Yeah, but understand that... Um, all the kids are gone, so I can speak however I want, I guess. Sex is a good thing. Sex is, de is designed by God to enjoy. 
But it's designed by God to enjoy to its fullest between a husband and a wife. Now, now, now don't, don't hear me say something I'm not, but I, 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 I want to stress that. If you're, if, if, you're, if you're not living in that, if that's not the reality, don't take it out on me. Let's just reconcile this with God. Because remember what I started out to say when I started out by saying, I'm going to fully persuade you that God is committed to your relationship with him. And when he's committed to your relationship with him, he's committed to overcome anything and everything that's holding us back. No matter what the level is, well, I can't give up this and I can't do this. And I, you can't is a lie from the devil. So we, we need to say, no, 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 get, get rid of this. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. You, you hear me say this, and, and I love interacting with, with, uh, with, with some of you. And I hear this being regurgitated back to me. We, we don't try here. We train. Because triers say, I can't. Trainers say, and you know what? I'm going to do whatever it takes to get over this. And you know what? God has, in, has instilled in me the, the ability to do this. And, and this is what, so when we're approaching this, we have to understand that Maybe you're sitting here and you're the one in bondage saying, yeah, I'm trying to overcome this and I just can't do it. On your own, you cannot. In the power, yes, the power of the Spirit of God who dwells inside of you, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you can do it. That is, that's the message. That's that fully persuasion, that persuasiveness here is you have to be not just, yeah, I know what the truth is. No, I've got to be fully persuaded that God will and he can and will do this. This is not just, you know, the the scruffy now looking guy up here. By the way, um, I have a a rebellion against my wife. That's why I'm not shaving. Um, It's awesome. We do this every now and again. She hates it. But until I I get a deer, listen to her. Yeah, we're going to be in lying here in a couple weeks, Darlin. So, yeah, what? Uh, you can call me Willie, right. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, but anywho, where was I going on with this? The train has derailed. Let's get back on track. No, squirrels go, they always, yeah, anywho. Um, we're trained, thank you. Thank you, Brian. Training, not trying. We're not going to just try to overcome something. We're going to train to overcome whatever it is, whatever obstacle is presented in our life. So whatever it is that's connected to this, and I understand, I understand the Old Testament does not, it does not group all sexual sins in this commandment. It doesn't do that. Jesus takes and extends it out and to include all of this. And he actually says this about that. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that the whole body be, whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. It's, it's, it's better to, I, I like to say, that the, it's better to bite the bullet and face the music now than then. So, so just he, hear me when we, when we talk about this. And when Jesus is, 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 is saying, if, there's, if that lust is in your heart, and not, not the lust you know, for your wife, I mean, because I think dudes, you need to lust over your wives, I mean, healthily, healthily, healthily. 
But you need to have that, that, that there, there has to be that, 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 that sexual attraction because God did intend that for marriage. He did uh, throw this out of your flow. You can enjoy this. So, some people have been hurt and they don't. I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know everybody's situation. I don't know where everybody falls, um, but that's part of that. God is committed to your relationship with him. And he's committed to help you overcome whatever hurt, pain, suffering, whatever it is that's causing that. He's committed to you in that. So, so, so don't, again, don't, don't listen to the lie that, you, that you're not going to be able to do this. And, and it's, you're never going to be able to overcome this. He's committed. I, let, let me move beyond the, the, the sex talk because that's about as uncomfortable it is having that with your children. Um, which... My, my wife's had the two girls. I've got to have it with Gabe, and that's going to be interesting. So um, I'm thinking about using Legos. Um, <laughs> I'm not real good at Minecraft, and he loves Legos, so I can probably... Or maybe I shouldn't do that, because I might, like, taint him for life. <laughs> Any suggestions, fi- find me later. I mean, because i got to... That's, that's a path I haven't been down yet. So, let's go back to the Old Testament. And, and, and let's, let's look at... Kind of even, um, peel back layers even farther of why God said, do not commit adultery. Why did God say, do not commit adultery, like he says in um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 14? <laughs> I, I, I wrote this down, and you have to understand how my brain works here. I just read it so you can hear this in, in, in my, my mind. Adultery is wrong because God doesn't like it. Okay? So let's start with that. Adultery is wrong because God doesn't like it. He's not required within the covenant stipulations to explain why he does not like certain things and does like certain other things. Those who keep covenant with him do so primarily because they desire to obey his word out of love for him not because they are convinced of, of the self-advantageous ramifications of each commandment or prohibition. So, so basically what, what, what here, what I'm trying to, to, to throw out here is because God doesn't like it, should be enough for us not to do it. And it's not just because, um, well, we want to try to please God. It's no, because we love him. Part of the mission here at LifePoint at Life is to, uh, we're committed to making disciples, you know, bringing glory to God by committing ourselves to make disciples. How? Loving him passionately. If we're loving him passionately, one of the ways in which we love him passionately is obeying his word. When looking at this in the context of Moses on the mountain and um, the, the children of Israel in the wilderness and the, the, um, the, the 40 years of wandering because of their, their grumbling and disbelief. Remember in Deuteronomy, it says these same Ten Commandments over again. And remember that, that, that these children of Israel, that after the generation of grumblers died, they went into the promised land. And as they're entering into the promised land, right before they go in, they're reminded of this again. Don't commit adultery. God was preparing them as they went into this promised land on how to live. God prepares us how to live for him through his word. 
Here what God is stressing is not only, and I want to say it is important, but not only that marriage relationship, the relationship between the man and the wife, but the relationship, the marriage relationship between God and his people. Because remember, the Ten Commandments show us uh, like glimpses of the character of who God is. So when he shows us these glimpses, what we have to understand is, yes, this earthly part here is important. This is why why he tells us this. But there is a spiritual aspect attached to this. The spiritual aspect, what, what, what it does is it, we, we can understand that when we are not faithful to God and when we, when we lust after other things other than God, we're committing adultery against God. Now, some, we, we, we would never say, yeah, you're right, I'm committing adultery against God. No one would, none of us would, would, would want to say openly that we're committing adultery against God, but we do that with our actions. If we're, it, what do you mean? Well, here, one example. If you raise anything to the level of worship that is higher than God, that's committing adultery against God. Anything. Remember, God gives us things to enjoy. I, I, I'm fully convinced of that. That God gives us things to enjoy, but when we take those things and we make them our God, we're committing adultery against our God. And what's the penalty for committing adultery? Death. What is it that we deserve when we commit adultery against God? We deserve death. Why? Why would God take something that is, it's so tempting and it's so, it's so hard to follow. Why would he make that the, 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 the line there or the, the, the litmus or the example that like, man, I can't, I can't fulfill that. I'm trying. Why would he, he use that? Because your covenant, my covenant with God, his covenant with us is so very important. I, I have heard many a times, and it's, it's disheartening at times to hear this. Like, it breaks my heart. Not, not like I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted at the enemy because he's winning in these situations. But I get, I get heartbroken when, when people say, like, you know, God doesn't care about me. Or, are, you a, are you a child of God? Yeah, I'm a child of God, I, I, you know. But I just don't think, I just don't think he cares about me. Because if he really cared about me, he would show me why well, he would show me this, or he would show me, he would do what it is that I want him to do. I bring up my kids all the time. I care for my kids, but I don't let them do everything that they want to do. If we let our kids do everything that they wanted to do, is that being loving? No, it's, it, it, it's not. Is it hard to, to communicate that to a nine-year-old boy when you say, hey, you can't, you know, no, you, you can't take Pappy's air nailer outside and play with it. He thinks that it, it didn't happen, Dad. Maybe um, he, he's like he, he thinks that, that that Dad is keeping him held back from from experiencing joy when what Dad is doing is keeping him from doing what Dad did, nailing his fingers together. <laughs> Some of you remember that. Some of you don't. But but that that's that's that, that's my understanding as as a father. Like I know what's best for him. In that same aspect. But on a much grander scale, 
God knows what's best for us. That's why he says, do this and don't do that. So that we can live a life that's freeing for him. So we can have this, um, uh, how John 10.10 says, this life abundantly. We can have this life abundantly because this is what God, here, this is what you got to do. If you do this, things will go well with you in the land. That's what he says. But when people say, oh, you know, God just doesn't, doesn't care for me. If he, he, he really should show me that he cares for me. I'm thinking, I, I think to myself, man, oh man, oh man. You're right. If God would just show you, what would be the greatest act? Hmm. Hmm. wonder if he could just like split uh, the Red Sea. Nah, that would be good enough. Uh, what if he would, um, wait a second, maybe we'll make bread fall out of heaven. Nah, that wouldn't be good enough. Um, what if he would, uh, what if he, uh, here's a good one. What if he would throw or have somebody throw an axe hand, head into the water and make it float? Nah, that still wouldn't be good enough. He needs to do something like, you know, rain down fire on top of a mountain and take up an, a, a, a burnt offering when no one else could. It would never, that wouldn't work either. How about this? What if he raised from the dead? Would, 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 that, would that satisfy your thought and your lie that's been told to you that you're believing that God doesn't really care about you? No, God is committed to you. Turn to John chapter 3. If you're keeping track, we're in the home stretch right now. In John chapter 3, bless you. John chapter 3, it tells us the level of commitment in which God has for his children. Verse 16, you all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Love it when you go on to 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. If you break this, this, these verses apart, if you, if you take uh, um, John 3.16 and you kind of you read it in the, the original language, that, um, it was written in Greek, um, it, 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 it blows your mind what is really said here. Because we, we read this like, for God so loved the world, like, yes, God loved the world. But that, 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 that beginning phrase there, for, in, in, in this translation, I know I love this translation of the Bible, but in this translation, it doesn't do it justice. If you read in the original, it says that God, since God loved the world so much, since he had a deep affection, an agape love, a love that cannot be measured, because he had this, this is what he did. So when you, when you read that, for God so loved the world, think about that. This, this 
immense love. This, this is what, nothing can, can compare to this. My love for this creation, these people, this is what, what God's saying here. My love for them is so great that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to show them my commitment to them. The commitment in which God has for his children is to send his only son. Yes, this is, this is, you know, sawdust trail back, you know, revival preaching here that it's all about what Jesus has done. It's all about the gospel. Because at the end of the day, if we don't believe the truth of the gospel and what Jesus Christ has come to do and what he has accomplished, if we don't believe that, all of this other stuff isn't going to make a whole hill of beans to us. Because we're not going to say, oh yeah, you know, I shouldn't commit adultery. But if we look at this, like, this is what God did for me. He showed me, and I love if you watch, you know me, I'm a Clemson fan. If you watch at the beginning of every Clemson game, there's one of the coaches, he's standing there with a big orange bucket with a Paul print on it, and all the guys, as they're coming out of the locker room, they throw something in it. It's called their all-in bucket, and they've got these chips. And what they're doing is as they're, as they're coming out of the, the locker room, they're taking all of their chips, and they're throwing it in the bucket, signifying, I'm all in. I'm all in, coach. I'm all in. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. When Jesus came out of heaven, he had a whole handful of all-in chips, and he threw them in a bucket. He says, I'm all in. How did he display that? He displayed that with his life. Don't fall into the trap that yeah, G, the story about Jesus is just some, you know, that's a great story. Look around at, at, at other people and understand that Jesus was a human just like everybody sitting here. And he suffered and he died for you and for me. And then say, I don't think God's, I don't think God loves me. I don't think God's committed to me. You, you can't do that. You cannot do that with a, a, a pure conscience. Look at, look at the cross and say, yeah, but I still don't think you love me. What more can he do? The devil's throwing lies in there saying, well, he could do this and he could do this and he can give you this job and he can make this healing happen and he can make this take place and he can... No, are all those things good and can God do them? Absolutely. But none of them are a display of his love for you. His love for you has already been displayed. And, and, and why I stress this is for the fact that when he tells us hard things that are, are, maybe they're accepted by society, but they're not accepted by God, what we have to understand is he's already went all in for you. He's worthy of, of, of living a life for. He's already proven himself to you. You don't need any more proof. If we live in the reality of what God has done through Jesus, these insurmountable obstacles, these, these mountains that are, that are placed before us, they're not so bad then. Do we still have to negotiate the obstacle? Do we still have to overcome that obstacle? Yeah, but we got Jesus by our side to do it. And he's already faced and conquered everything that we're going to face and conquer. I started out with saying that I want to persuade you of one thing, and, and, and I hope by this time 
that I, I, my hope is that you're persuaded. But if you're not, my, my hope is I'm, I've moved you down the trail just a little bit to being fully persuaded. Because the devil is going to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy you. He wants you to live a life that is powerless. He wants to steal your witness. He wants you to leave the car alone that's driving around with his headlights on in the middle of the day. But what we have to understand is because he's committed to us, we have all the more reason to be committed to him. Because at the end of the day, when everything else falls away, he's still there. So my, my, my prayer is that you're persuaded. If, if not, there's, we're going to bring the elders up here, and if you need to be prayed with, like there's an obstacle, it's in my, in my path. Maybe it's husband and wife, or I don't know. You're, you're, there's an obstacle in, in my path that I, that I, need, to, I need help with. Well, it starts with going to the source. It starts with going to God. Sometimes you need to go to God through, and I, please don't hear me because there's, no, there, there's only one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Jesus Christ. So the, the, the elders have no special power. What they have is protection and guidance and love for you to help you get you into that throne room because you're, we have a tendency to, to, to wander off and we need, no, come on, let's stay focused. Let's take this before the Lord. Because he is committed. And the Bible tells us that with confidence we can enter the throne room. And what do we receive when we enter the throne room of God with confidence? Grace and mercy. We get things that we don't deserve and we don't get things that we do deserve. Let's stop on that. Let's, let's, let's bow. Uh, we thank you so much uh, for your for your all in relationship with each one of us as as your children. Uh, Lord, we just we just thank you so much for for the good things that you do give us, uh, the blessings that they come uh, uh, through marriage, uh, through through that relationship, and and even if we're not married, Lord, just at uh, all the gifts that you give us, Lord, uh, those come as huge blessings to us. Lord, help us to always uh, stay focused on you as the giver of the gift, not the gift itself. Lord, uh, I pray that uh, our hearts would be uh, moved towards you, uh, that we would be all in to our relationship with you. Um, we're just, we thank you for the, the power that you've given us, the, that uh, those mountains just, they are passable, they are movable through your spirit. Lord, we thank you, we love you, God, uh, as as we uh, close today in prayer, let us take those every burden aside and seek you and worship. Lord, we would come with you with undefiled hearts, purely seeking your grace and your love that you've poured out so, so greatly for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.